I want to say at the top, because this may feel a little disjointed, but um, today as we move through the sermon and we move through the worship service, I want us to keep in mind uh, our siblings who are struggling in Ukraine right now for their independence and their sovereignty as a people, uh, that we hold them in our prayers and uh, continue to seek God's best and highest for them. And if any of you are connected with any organizations that are sending uh, aid or support, please email the church office so that we can compile all of that information and send it out in the newsletter, newsletter this week. That would be a tremendous uh, help. This is where it gets disjointed. Congratulations on passing our budget two weeks ago. Uh, that is uh, truly amazing. So we can operate for this year. It is indeed an ambitious budget, and we will be doing more mission work. So we are very excited about that. Also extremely excited about the promotion of Jay to Minister of Congregational Life for those who are not available to hear that. And also the hiring of Abdias Martinez to be our administrative assistant. And later we will be highlight, highlighting as well as Sam who is now our artist in residence and writing on the music. And I don't want to forget to call out the extraordinary talents of Zay, who you saw here today, and we are so glad to have him part of the ministry now as well, too. We will continue our mission work, as I said, and improvements on our campus. Uh, so uh, congratulations to you as a congregation on getting that budget passed and believing in our collective mission and vision together. Also want to uh, offer a special congratulations to John and Bobby, who got married this last week. I don't see them here, but there's their picture. Um, we're so excited for both of them. A big congratulations uh, to them. All right. This morning, our scripture comes to us from Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, starting at verse 28. You can follow along in your pew Bible if you'd like. In the New Testament, Luke chapter 9. Matthew, Mark, Luke so the third book in the New Testament and the second section of the Bible, Luke chapter 9, verse 28. Now about eight days, Luke writes, after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James, and they went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became a dazzling white. Suddenly, they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him, talking to Jesus. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which, was, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his Glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. 
And while he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then then from the cloud came a voice that said, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, because Moses and Elijah had disappeared at this point, and they kept silent in those days and told no one any of the things they had seen. Please join me in prayer. Wellspring of life, give us all now the eye of the eagle so that we can see clearly into all of our hopes, joys, fears, and sorrows. Collectively weave our hands to the gospel plow and tie our tongues to truth. Let us hear from you the still speaking, ever living God in our midst. This is our prayer in Christ's name, amen. So in... The Catholic Church and in a lot of mainline churches, Lutheran, Presbyterian, UCC, American Baptists, we celebrate something that is called Transfiguration Sunday. And it's based on this scripture in which Jesus, according to my language and in my language, instead of transfiguration, I've always liked glow up. So Jesus glows up on this mountain, is transfigured, his clothes are dazzling white, and he is in the presence of Moses and Elijah. Luke tells this story of how Jesus is transfigured, how he is changed, and how he blew up or glowed up or however you want to say it, but how Jesus got to this point on this, in this part of the text and in, this, in the life of his ministry. What I find fascinating about this is that the timing of it, when it happens, why it happens, and we know that Jesus didn't just glow up. Jesus didn't just become transfigured with clothes of dazzling white because he was Jesus. There was a timeline, and a sequence of events that led to Jesus's glow up. Jesus was baptized. Jesus was tempted for 40 days immediately following his baptism. See, some of you wonder why I'm in church now, but things are getting more difficult because it is not promised it's going to get easy. It may get more challenging because you have now found God and started to fix your life. So Jesus is baptized, then he's tempted for 40 days, no food, no water, he's out in the wilderness, tempted by Satan, and then he began his ministry. And as soon as he started his ministry, according to Luke, in the next section of the text, he's rejected by the people in the town that he's from. Folks don't want to listen to you because you're saved now and you go to church now and you think you have a ministry now. It's all part of the narrative. You're right on time, right on schedule. Then he goes out and heals the man with the unclean spirit. Then he preaches in the synagogue and then he calls disciples. 
I'm sure some of us know how people get this out of order. Folks want people to follow them, but they don't want to go through anything before they start asking people to follow them. Folks want disciples and church buildings and members and all this stuff and haven't done nothing yet. Ain't been through nothing, have no testimony to tell. Then he calls the disciples. Then he cleanses the leper. In other words, he touches and ministers to people that other people don't want to touch and minister to. Several churches today are dying and they don't know where their ministry is going to go or how it's going to grow or how it's going to be better. Well, if you would touch the leper, I'm sorry, if you would minister to the LGBTQ community, perhaps you could glow, grow your church. Perhaps your glow up isn't doing something different than you've been doing before. Folks don't want to touch the leper. Ministering to the leper can be difficult. I know. But it is the work of the church. It is the work that Jesus did as well, too. Then he heals the paralytic. Then he proclaims the Beatitudes. And then he goes on and does more healings and more ministry. And then he writes parables and ministers to people and teaches and preaches through parables. Some folks today will say, oh, you know, the church has gotten too contemporary. It has gotten too rock and roll. It's gotten too gospel. It's gotten too, it's got, it, it sounds too much like the world. I got news for you. What do you think a parable was when Jesus was preaching? It was in the speak of the world to teach spiritual principles. So the church has to evolve. It has to reach this generation. It has to be influenced by the culture. Otherwise, we will die and it will be left behind. Then he feeds 5,000. Then he prophesies of his death and resurrection. After all of this, then Jesus got the glow up. Some of y'all might be bored with the details, but see, if you're missing the detail I'm dropping right now, it's probably why your glow up has not happened. After all these things, then he had a glow up. After being rejected, after ministering to people other folks wouldn't minister to, after prophesying his death, after feeding the 5,000, after being baptized, after preaching and teaching, then he got a glow up. Not because he just showed up in a church five months ago and is ready to be somebody. The glow up happened after some time and some struggle. Many of us want to glow up today and ain't done nothing. And ain't been through nothing. Or is going through something and wallowing in it. Your glow up happens after you actively decide that you are going to get through it. Staying in it leaves you without any afterglow. Then scripture says, he 
was praying. It happened while he was in prayer. (laughs) It happened in the midst of him praying that his clothes began to be dazzling. So he was in the midst of communing with God when he began to glow up. He was in the midst of being in communication with God when when he began to be transfigured and changed. He wasn't in the midst of bragging to someone about how saved he is or where he is in life. He wasn't in the midst of making sure that he was dressed the very best. He wasn't in the midst of trying to go along to get along. He wasn't in the midst of trying to work his job and be here and be there. It was in the midst of prayer that the glow up began to happen. And it was slightly private. And in that moment of prayer, the scripture is saying that that there was Moses and Elijah there, and he was having a conversation with them. He was communing with the ancestors about history and what has happened prior to him coming along. Many of us are lost because we don't discover the history of our family. We barely know our own individual history. We think life is just happening to us and that we have, we're not a character in our own story. But he is sitting here communing with history, learning from the ancestors of what has happened before. What has happened before is that there has always been somebody that knew how to issue propaganda. There has always been somebody that has known how to divide and conquer. There has always been somebody that has wanted all the power. I don't have time to take you down this whole timeline, but there's somebody right now that's doing that, and we all act like it's a shock and we don't know why we're going through this. Somebody did it before and somebody's going to try to do it again. Our problem is, is we're not communing with history. Ukraine today, who tomorrow? We'll see in the next presidential election. (laughs) I'm trying not to be salty. Validation. The other piece of this is validation versus verification. Jesus didn't need anybody. This is right out of the text. Didn't need anyone to validate him. He didn't need anybody to say, you're a beloved, amazing child of God. You do fabulous things. You heal the leper. You did this. Jesus didn't need anybody to validate who he was as a person. But it is always good. I say this to new ministers when they come along because they're like, God called me. And I say, okay, well, besides God, who else has verified that you have a call on your life? Because God calls in community, not in isolation. 
So verification is when someone says, I have seen you communing with Moses and Elijah. I have seen your good work. I have seen you taking care of people. I have seen the work you have been doing. Now we verify and we say, should we build a space here? For you, because now, after all of this, we see that your ministry is really about to take off. There's a difference between validation and verification. And a good friend will tell someone, I'm sorry, you don't have a voice for a Grammy. They won't let you just keep trying to pursue a career that you're not going to have. A good friend will tell you, I'm sorry, I love you, but you, maybe preaching is not your call. A good friend will tell you, maybe this is not the path that you need to be on, that you should be on another path. And ask questions like, what do you like? What do you enjoy? A good friend will help you to be authentically you and to embrace the gifts that God has given you. That is verification. Several of us are still trying to get past the part of needing validation from other people. But once we can get past this need for validation, then we can start living into our call and seeking verification that we are on the path that we need to be on. Then, when it's all said and done in the scripture, it said they kept silent. They kept silent. Y'all know how much I, I, oh, I was about to say hate. No, it is hate, it's hate, that's the right word. (laughs) It's not the people, it's this over holy sanctification, I'm so saved and God has done so much for me and I'm all this and a bag of potato chips. And y'all know I'm the first one to be like, but your life is so raggedy. Like, really? God is moving in your life with your credit score, Zippo Honda, really? God is moving in your life, but you can't keep a job, really? God is moving in your, you got, you can quote every scripture and live none of it. It's absolutely bizarre to me. It is the most bizarre thing to me. But they said, they just kept silent, kept silent. Marcus loves when we're traveling or going somewhere. I hate when he does this, but we'll be sitting in a bar and getting ready to get on a plane or whatever. And, and you know, you're making small talk with people and well, well, what do you do? And I'm like, oh God, here we go. Cause I'm like, I'm on vacation or we're traveling somewhere and I don't want to be bothered. Cause inevitably he's going to tell them what I do. And then I'm going to have to explain myself And I don't need to explain myself because I don't need their validation. But he loves doing it because it messes people up. He's like, yes, this is my husband and he's a pastor. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh, God, here we go. Oh, really? Yes, I'm a pastor. And everyone, well, how does that work? I don't have time. And I'm on my fourth margarita and I really am trying to get on the plane. If you need Jesus, here's my business card and there's the website. I'm going on about my business. (laughs) 
But what matters most in my ministry to me is not that I'm on a pedestal, but it is that I look and act just, if you can just see a little Jesus in me, that's all I want to be. It's just, just see a little I can't be perfect. I can't be Jesus. I'm not, I'm not that pastor that is demanding your loyalty because I'm a perfect human being. I am not. But if you could just see a little, then that's witness enough for me. And if all of us could just start saying, I want to be a little bit better this week. I want to be a little bit better next month. I want to be a little bit better next year. Instead of trying to attain perfection, just attain your relationship with God. For us, it requires a great deal of work and commitment. One of the things that I've learned over these last five years has been that collectively, we struggle with self-knowledge. Not self-awareness, but self-knowledge. I said it earlier. Who are you? What family system do you come from? What expectations have been placed on you by others that you are still trying to fulfill in your life today? Which one of those expectations are blocking you from getting your glow up and getting to where you need to get to? Do you, are you aware of the fact that you are fulfilling someone else's expectations for your life? Are you aware of the fact that those expectations have influenced probably every relationship that you had to break up and move out of and every church you left and every, you've shown up somewhere and you are influenced and you are a product of wherever you came from. Are you aware of what that may be? At least the baby gave me an amen on that. (laughs) And then our self-awareness and working on that, and then working on what it is that can help us to get to where we get. I wrote here, I said, our goals and dreams may seem difficult to reach because we have to evolve in order to attain them. It is our soul's desire, but our mind's work. Whatever it is that you are trying to achieve, it's your soul that's saying, get up and get it, get out there, you can make it happen. You want a new marriage, you can do it, you're worthy of it. You want a new job, you can do it, you are worthy of it. You want to start up, whatever it is, if you want it, you can do it, you are worthy of it. But your mind and the system you've come from and the patterns of behavior that is layered after year after year after year have to be undone. That is going to hurt. Because perhaps the evolution that's required means severing some relationships and facing exactly who you are. It's, it's the opposite in some cases. It's, I want... Money seems to be the easiest thing to work with. I want, I want more money, but actually my family system and the pattern of behavior I've come from 
is telling me I'm not worthy of it. So what happens is you self-sabotage every time the possibility comes around. Am I, getting, am I, am I touching on, you, you understand what I'm saying? And then you wonder why you can't seem to pay the bills on time. You wonder why now you can't get a job because the background check has come back that your credit is, but you, all these, so all it, but, but it's, and you're like, well, what is happening? Satan is after me. No, Satan ain't after you. Your pattern of behavior that has been shaped since your birth is what's after you. It ain't Satan. It's something up here that needs to be correct. Stop blaming Satan. Or get, get, y'all give Satan too much credit. Satan is sitting over on a desk in Russia somewhere. Satan ain't concerned about what you're doing. <laughs> Satan's saying, y'all, you can handle this self-sabotage and destruction yourself. I'm going to go over here and take over whole countries. I should stop. I'm, I'm, y'all see I'm a little hot about this. I'm trying to stay. I'm trying, let me get in my lane. 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 Part of my system is hero, Savior. You see how it's shown up in the job that I've now occupy? And before this, I did organizational development. All I wanted to do was fix systems and organizations. But this is my pattern of behavior. And now I have to figure out how to work with it for good instead of using it to undermine other relationships. Because here's the thing. This is my struggle. Everybody won't be fixed. And I have to be okay with that. Evolution. I'm sorry, did I, am I teaching this morning or am I? Okay. <laughs> Evolution takes time. And if you don't take anything else away from this sermon today, I want you to take this with you. There is no glow up without a grow up. There will be no glow up without a grow up. If you don't do the work, if you don't put the time in, if you don't invest in yourself and understand how you think and what's needed and everything that you want in life, where those desires come from, there will be no glow up without the grow up. I preach a Christianity that is going to challenge you and that is working to shape you. And I just told you it comes out of my pattern because I have been designed to help people and to try to fix people. I don't know, I don't know why that happened to me, but this is who I am. And so I have no time to waste on trying to get you down this aisle to profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior without you actually making a change in your life, without you actually reaching the goals that you need to reach, without you actually finding your love and your value as a gay person or a lesbian person or a bisexual person or a trans person, if I am not doing the work of helping you build a life you want, then I'm not, this job is not for me. So yes, pray, yes, read your Bible, yes, do all of that, but take it in that there will be no glow up without a grow up. Reverend Ashley Della Giacomo says, because I want to call this out too. You know, the governor posted something about trans people and somebody else signed off on it. And this, you know, 
I don't know why we can't just leave well enough alone. Trans people have been around for a long time. Why do we have to create new laws that really can't even be actuated and there's no way for you to even put it into practice, but you just do stuff to just mess with people? Why? Tell me why. How are you gonna tell me that I can't give my child puberty blockers? Are you gonna get to see my child's medical records without my approval? What type of power do you need to demand my medical records are theirs? See, so you're just, mess, you're just messing, messing with people. Just, she writes, she writes, God is trans. And this comes out of the liberation idea. And this is a white woman, that, a white, cis, heterosexual woman that's writing this. And this comes out of the idea that wherever someone, wherever the most suffering is, God is that identity of that person, right? That God is always on the side of the oppressed and the downtrodden, wherever the struggle is, that's where God is. So she writes this week, and she said this to me, and I didn't, I didn't believe she was gonna post it. She says, God is trans. She said, this is transfiguration in our church calendar. This Sunday is transfiguration in our church calendar. I was like, Ashley, that's good, that's good. You made, that's, that's good. She says, so it seems just the right time to remember and to declare that our God is a God of becoming. God is a God of revealing their true self even if the world doesn't know what to do about it. The world may not always know what to do with us. The world may not always know what to do with you, but God is a God of becoming. And if God is a God of becoming, then Reverend Leslie Jackson is not yet. He is, but he is not yet. He is becoming something more than what he is today because he's gonna do his work because God is a God of becoming. I'm a child of God, so I am also a child of becoming. I'm a child of of revealing more. I'm a child of setting more loose. I'm a God of showing God more up in the world. I'm a child of becoming. And if I am becoming, oh baby, you are becoming too. You are becoming too. You are becoming too. This is your time. This is your moment to shine. I believe somebody is ready for a glow up. I believe somebody is ready to shine it off. Up. I believe somebody is ready to show off and do a little bit of that duck walk. I believe somebody is ready to just glow it right up in the name of Jesus. You are becoming. You are changing and you are revealing all that God is. God is not done with us. No, not yet. Lent is coming. This coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. There's no better time to change some patterns and behavior than in Lent. So this year, as we have every year, we will challenge you to connect with our covenants. I can tell you now one of them will be around service, one of them will be around presence, 
One of them will be around generosity. I encourage you to go listen to my sermon about that. You'll get some handouts on Wednesday if you're here that can help you journey through Lent, change some patterns of behavior so that you can get an even bigger glow up by the time Lent is done. And I'm going to say this because I need to say it several times. We will ask for financial commitment on your part. It's up to you. I'm not monitoring anything, but we will ask for you to commit to, to give. If you're not at 10%, get to 10%. If you're not at 5%, get to 5%. We'll give you a tithing chart and you can figure all that out. But I always say around money, one, I don't need your money. It's the first thing. Two, we are in this church together to build a community to do something good. And three, what is the pattern of behavior that's locked into you that makes you unwilling to give to a church? Because something is there. What is it? Are you aware of what it is? So before anybody leaves, because this has happened, (laughs) it says that church just wants money. That's not the case. I want you to grow. And I have personally found the more I'm like this, the more comes back. Because what I'm exhibiting is that I have all that I need, that I'm overflowing with wealth, that I can contribute and give to all the things I want to give to. And somehow or another, the universe just brings it right back. So there's something about generosity that we need to pay attention to. And then fasting. I can tell you now, I'm not doing a Daniel fast this year. At this point, I'll be good to just stop going to Taco Bell. And Whataburger, because you see it's right across the street. So for me, I'm giving up fast food this Lent. If you want to do a Daniel fast, we will have that out there for you as well. But we encourage you, if there's some type of fast or some kind of dieting you want to do, that uh, will be made available as well too. And yes, I'll tell you a little secret, but this is up to you. The 40 days doesn't include Sunday in the count. But can you cheat and get back on it on Monday? I don't know. I <laughs> All right. So here's the deal. Lent can help us work on our glow up, change our patterns of behavior, change our habits. There are some folks that have been reading Atomic Habits, and I invite you to connect with them. Lizzie's in the back. She's been involved with that. If you want to get into that group and read, you can do that as well, too. But let's come together during this season of Lent. Let's not just go through it and sacrifice things because, oh, I'm a Christian. I need to sacrifice. I have to fast. I have to give. I have. That's not. Let's go through it saying God is with us. And we are ready to be changed over these 40 days. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please join me in prayer. Every head bowed, eyes closed. If you are here today and you are thinking to yourself, I'm ready to make some changes in my life. 
I'm ready to connect with a church and a community where I'm at home, I'm challenged to be better, I'm challenged to strengthen my walk and my relationship with God. If that's you today, I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to make you walk down an aisle. I'm not going to make you do anything that's awkward. But what I would ask you to do is to just slip your hand up because I have a gift I want to get you after service. And I want to make sure you get connected with the church and can learn more about who we are so you can discern if this is the place for you. So if that's you today, with every head bowed and eyes closed, please just slip your hand up really quickly so I can see it. Amen. Thank you. I see you. There's anyone else? Amen. I see you. Thank you. Amen. God, thank you so much. Thank you for the lives that have been shaped here, that are being molded here, that are being strengthened here. Oh God, you are a good God. We're doing the very best we can. Continue to challenge us, to grow us, to heal us so that we can indeed glow up like Jesus did. That we will be transformed, transfigured. And if no one else knows us any better, Let it be you. Show us what we need to do. Show us the way to go. Show us how to heal. This is our prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.